1: Hey everyone, welcome to Roundball Stew. I am Matt Straup, recording this on the evening of Monday, May 17th, and for our first episode this week, we've got something different for you. Ryan Connaught, Steve Alexander, and I took part in a live playoff preview show earlier on Monday with the NBC Sports Edge Betting Crew. We broke down the 4-5 and 3-6 series in both the East and the West. It was an absolute blast to take part in it, and as our Monday episode, we are bringing you that playoff show in its entirety. Ryan, Steve, and I come in about half an hour into it, but there is some great stuff from the Edge betting crew before that and after that. So we'll see you back here on Wednesday and Friday this week as we get back to regular Round Balls 2 episodes. And in the meantime, hope you enjoy the playoff preview. That's coming up in just a second.
5: Welcome into NBC Sports Edge NBA Playoff Preview. Drew Dinsick, Von Dalzell, Corey Parson, and I'm Sarah Perlman. Thanks for being with us today. Throughout the show, we'll be getting you ready uh, with our best bets for the play-in tournament, previewing both the Eastern and Western Conference, and also getting a little bit into the futures market and the liabilities for points bet and sportsbooks in particular. Now, before we start with the play-in tournament, there's a lot to digest there, and we'll break it down. Gentlemen, how are we doing?
6: I I cannot wait for these playoffs. The Western Conference is so stacked. The play-in games look awesome. Uh, This can't, you know, it's, we're a month late. You know, usually we're doing this in April and here we are at the end of May, but it was worth the wait. This is gonna be one of the most fun years of playoffs I can remember.
0: Fawn? I'm looking forward to
7: it. This is looking like a, this is looking like a setup for the uh, Lakers or Warriors here to make a deep run. This is what the NBA wanted. So I'm, uh, I'm excited. I want to see it happen. I uh, some good matches in the East, too. You know, Russell Westbrook, my Charlotte Hornets, Money Miles Bridges, all that stuff. So I can't wait for tomorrow.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I got to be honest. I'm looking oh, you forward to, you know, to the play-in tournament. I'm looking forward to everything that's going on with the NBA playoffs coming up. This week as we start the playing tournament and push further but i was particularly excited because something i've been calling all season long a first round upset is going to happen it sets up perfectly so i will get a chance to review that a little bit later on in the program
5: well i'm looking forward to hearing that let's discuss the play-in tournament for the the first time ever which will determine the seventh and eighth seeded teams in the east and west for the playoffs and if you're not familiar with how this works, I'm going to break it down as simple as possible. Basically, the team with the 7th highest winning percentage in each conference is hosting one game against the team that had the 8th highest winning percentage, the winner in each conference earning the number 7 seed. Now, in a separate game, the team with the ninth highest winning percentage in each conference is hosting the team with the 10th highest winning percentage. Loser of that game is eliminated from postseason contention, and the winner of the 9-10 versus 10 will play the loser of the 9-8, versus eight, For the eighth seed. So we're showing a graphic now in the Western Conference. The number seven seed Lakers and the number eight seed Warriors are playing. The winner then advances to the first round. The nine seeded Grizzlies and 10 Spurs will face off in an elimination game, winner advancing to then meet the loser of that Lakers Warriors game. In the Eastern Conference, on the other side of that bracket, you're looking at the number seven Celtics and the number eight Wizards will play in the number nine Pacers, hosting number 10 Charlotte Hornets, and the winner facing, of course, whoever loses between Boston and Washington. So, when you guys look at this play in bracket, what are your initial thoughts, Vaughn? <sighs>
7: Well, I mean, like I said, the Warriors and the Lakers are set up for a matchup of all time. I mean, thinking back on the best seven or eight seeds we've seen in history, uh, the Golden State Warriors of the past with Monte Ellis comes up and you look at them versus this Steph Curry Warriors team. I definitely like this Steph, Warrior, Steph Curry Warriors team. Um, I think the path for the seventh seed here in the West is uh, very ideal. Now, if the Lakers win here and get the seventh seed, they're going to play Chris Paul's led sons. I know he's an MVP to everybody and he's helped this team tremendously, but his playoff resume does not speak to the terms of what LeBron James or Steph Curry's does. So I'm looking at a path there and potentially with Denver or Portland in the second round, I love the Western Conference and whoever comes out of the seventh seed here. I think there's a very good chance we see some upset in a series, uh, similar to what Corey said. So I'm sure he's going to feel the same way.
5: Well, we're going to break down the games in particular in the play-in tournament. But, Corey, just when you look at these play-in games, what stands out? What are you most excited to see?
0: I'm definitely excited to see that Laker Warrior matchup. Obviously, it's going to be the talk. Because everybody's speaking about that. Adam Silver in the NBA. I mean, I got. I guess imagine they're very thrilled by. It. You know, getting this big time contest between LeBron James and Steph Curry as we move down the stretch of the season. But let's not forget, listen, we got the Washington Washington Wizards team that got hot at the beginning of April and they're carrying that momentum right now against the Boston Celtics team that's kind of sliding down. And I got to be honest, I'm excited to see the Charlotte Hornets and the Memphis Grizzlies, two of the younger teams in the NBA, getting a chance to go up against playoff staples like the Indiana Pacers and the San Antonio Spurs.
5: Trail?
6: Yeah. No, I think. uh Number one, they did a great job setting this up. I personally love it. I don't want to fire whoever came up with the play and idea. I'm ready to give them a raise. Um, mm-hmm. And second of all, this is, you know, this this is sets up super well for just a couple of really high entertainment games, great betting opportunities. Uh, I think that in general, the market opened all these totals like these were just regular season games instead of the one and done playoff feel uh, and if you've been betting NBA for a long time, you know that kind of the further you go into the series, the more you get to the kind of elimination stage, game seven nerves and you know the, the game slows down. things really you know, every possession becomes that much more meaningful, that much more difficult to get that that bucket. Uh, and so I think we've seen a pretty clear trend the market is pushing these totals down for the play games and that makes sense total yeah. sense to me. I'm on board with a bunch of these unders um, and ultimately I think uh, the market is really really respecting home court advantage. Um, you saw a big number open up for the Lakers at home you saw big numbers open up mm-hmm. here for uh, for the Memphis Grizzlies and the uh, even the pacers so it's uh, it's interesting to see sort of, you know, what What uh, the market is kind of giving added value in these play-in games.
5: Okay, so the NBA and all the fans, we all got the matchup we dream for in this play-in tournament. Lakers versus the Warriors with one team moving on, the other team facing a winner go home situation. We're going to kick it to Kurt Heelan of NBCSports.com and Kareth Berth of NBC Sports Bay Area with their keys for both the Lakers and Warriors to play their way into the postseason.
8: In an NBA playoffs where just, it's full of questions, The Lakers are the one team that have actually answered these questions before. We know they can win a championship because we've seen them do it. This is still an elite defense and it's been that way all season long with and without LeBron James and Anthony Davis out there. Davis has been back playing at an elite level. It's an experienced roster. It's a veteran roster that can beat you with versatility. The core of this team won a championship last year. This is a team that knows how to win. It's also a team with the best duo in the NBA, bottom line. LeBron James and Anthony Davis are the best duo, and they can win a title if they're healthy. And that's just the big question. We don't know. It's not will LeBron James and Anthony Davis be on the court, but are we going to get the LeBron James who can attack the rim with ferocity? Are we going to get the LeBron James who goes after loose balls, who moves so well on defense that he's an all-defensive level player, or is he shy of that because of the ankle? If he is, the Lakers aren't going very far.
4: Well, the Warriors have won six straights, and if you zoom out even farther, they've won 15 of their last 20. They are peaking at the right time, and a lot of that has to do with Steph Curry. He's having an incredible season at age 33. Keep that in mind. But he just won the scoring title. In the last game, he scored over, total for the season, more than 2,000 points. He did that in 63 games. He is the NBA's most lethal shooter. And his fantastic season is coinciding with a fantastic season for Draymond Green, who's averaging a career high in assists with nine. And I think everybody is familiar with Draymond's defensive intensity as well. Now there's an x-factor emerging from the Warriors. It's Jordan Poole, a youngster in his second season. He's having those kind of performances where Steve Kerr is giving him a lot of compliments saying he is rounding into a very strong sixth man. And taking a snapshot of Jordan Poole's last five games, he's averaging 22 points including a career-high 38 just last Friday. So the Warriors needed somebody to come through as an extra scoring threat in those minutes where Steph Curry sits It's been Jordan Poole. So to sum it up, the Warriors are peaking at the right time. They are confident and they are aggressive.
5: Now on the other side is Steph Curry, of course, is LeBron James. We're looking at two of the best players you could argue to come in this game for quite some time. The last time LeBron James and Steph Curry met in a winner-take-all scenario, I'm sure you guys remember, Game 7 of the 2016 NBA Finals. So Drew... You look at two of these players, the addition now with healthy Anthony Davis combined with LeBron James. There has to be a side and angle when you look at this game to take it away.
6: Yeah, so now it's down here at four and a half. I'm inclined to bet the Lakers. I think fair price here is five and a half. I Ooh. think it's going to go back up to five and a half. I think why you're getting a little bit of a break here um, in terms of prices, there are still some questions swirling about how healthy LeBron James is. Ultimately, I expect LeBron to play about 35, 40 minutes in this one. I would expect Anthony Davis to get his full minutes load as well. And I think the team defense of the Lakers will ultimately carry the day. I know Steph Curry is putting on just a spectacular performance this last couple months of the season. If he had, if he had been healthy and played a full – uh, full season this year or had Clay, you know, Clay Thompson available, this Warriors team's probably a one or two seed in the West and he's probably the MVP. Uh, but that said, I think the team defense for the Lakers can key Curry uh, make it that much tougher for him to get his shot. And then if you are asking everyone else on this Warriors team to carry the offense, that becomes a problem real quick. Uh, and I think ultimately the Lakers get through here. If I had to bet aside right now, I'm laying four and a half. Uh, I think the total continues to tick down. Fair total here for me would be about 216. Uh, and ultimately, I, I do think the Lakers' team defense is what is makes the difference here.
5: It's going to be crazy to see how this market really moves and continues to move because Drew and I do a show in the morning, as you guys know, and this line's been all over the place. So, Corey, when you look at this four-and-a-half with the Los Angeles Lakers, is there a side or total that stands out? And what are you looking forward to seeing in this matchup?
0: Let's just say LeBron James didn't – you know, have the high ankle sprain, as it was reported, back in March. And let's just say the Lakers were the second seed in, in the Western Conference and the Golden State Warriors were the seventh seed. Game one of this series, you'd be picking the Los Angeles Lakers. And that's exactly how I'm looking at this situation in the playing tournament. Listen, I think the Golden State Warriors had a, a good season. Steph Curry, obviously a great story coming down the stretch. You got to see his greatness, like you said, playing at the MVP caliber level. Draymond Green also been amazing this season. But when you look at the rest of the team, you know, you mentioned Jordan Poole is playing good basketball right now in Montescano, but they cannot compete with the Los Angeles Lakers in a one game playing situation. So I like the Lakers in this one. And, I'm, and, I, and listen, I'm going all over the under, too. That will be the first wager I make is on the under.
5: Vaughn, what about you?
0: Yeah, so
7: I uh, watched the premiere of Bet the Edge on YouTube today with Sarah and Drew, and you guys talked about the under. And I like that a lot because I felt that the defense in this game could definitely stifle uh, a couple of these stars. You know, Drew mentioned Steph Curry could be slowed down a little bit. His point prop hasn't come out. It's probably going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 35.5 to 36.5 points, um, which is he's the only player in the league that you could bet that on a routine basis. Uh, for the Lakers, though, it's it's tough. I took the under at 222, so I was happy to get it there at 219. I think it's going to continue to trickle down. I think a lot of these games are going to be defensive battles. So this playing situation sets up. Corey said that he's looking at it as game one of a, a series. I'm looking at this as game seven of a series because these teams are uh, really – it's not a, a win-or-go-home situation, but um, it's closer to that once you lose. So uh, I'm going to look at it that way, and I'm going to go ahead and go with the under here. I'm not going to let the Warriors' last outing um, get me too excited to take their side right now.
5: So it seems like you guys are all in agreement. We'll see if we can find a disagreeing argument here. This game is not as exciting. We're not getting the Lakers and the Warriors, but also in the West, the 10 and 11 seated in this play-in bracket, Grizzlies and Spurs. It is John Morant's first playoff appearance, and we do know the Spurs – or whoever will have to win twice in this play-in tournament to get back. And, on, of course, on, on the Spurs side, you have Greg Popovich and, and one of the best NBA coaches uh, in history. Been to the playoffs 22 times. The Grizzlies went 2-0 against the Spurs this season, and John Morant's been a stud, averaging over 25 points uh, in all the meetings against the Spurs this season for the Grizzlies. A lot to digest. Vaughn, I'll kick it to you here first. Is there a side or a total here that we're showing that has caught your eye for this game?
7: So I like a total in this one. Now, I know I just mentioned the under in the previous game, but I like the over in this one. Now, the Grizzlies did, I won't say destroy, but they definitely dismantled the Spurs in the first two minutes of the year, winning by 17 or more in both those games. But what I look at is the Spurs' defense right now is allowing 50% from the field and 38% from three in the month of May. Um, That's atrocious. Uh, For the Grizzlies, they they like to run, and they have a big man in Jonas who can definitely control the paint and the boards. Uh, In six of the last seven meetings between these two teams, the total has hit 222 or more. And in the last two games of the season, it's blown over that. So I'm definitely looking at the over here. Uh, Jaron Jackson being back definitely helps this Grizzlies team. I don't think that they're going to be the uh, the seven or eight seed. I don't think they're going to be the eight seed, excuse me, by winning a game at all. But I do think that they can upset the Spurs here, even though Greg Popovich in his coaching resume um, definitely is a huge factor in this matchup.
5: Drew, I see you nodding your head. Are you in agreement there with Vaughn?
7: Yeah, the Spurs defensively have been
6: a disaster over the last month of the season, and really going to the very tail end of April through now, outside of the one really impressive showing they had against the Bucks, it has been miserable to be a Spurs backer or a Spurs fan. <laughs> uh, and it's not a great matchup for them. Uh, the Grizzlies, out, you know, they do have a couple of key Guys who are kind of coming into their own, taking huge steps forward this season, who are going to be healthy. Um, I thought, you know, the, the Grizzlies had a chance to beat the Warriors yesterday. That was a close call. Uh, we realistically could yeah. have, um, yeah, could have could have seen that go differently. And and I would say um, at three and a half, I have to play the Grizzlies here. Um, it's not a huge edge. I think fair price is about four, four and a half. Um, but uh, with the home court advantage, with the way that their young core is playing, with the, the with the uh, limitations of the Spurs' defense, I think the Grizzlies move on to the next round.
5: Okay, so the Grizzlies laying three and a half. Corey, total two twenty two. What you thinking?
0: Yeah, I probably place more bets on the Memphis Grizzlies than anybody in in, in the country this season. <laughs> so I've watched a lot of Memphis Grizzly basketball, and I know how to bet the Memphis Grizzlies. And for the most part, this would be a time that you fade the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies, up until the month of April, were one of the worst road teams AT- I mean, excuse me, one of the worst home teams ATS in the NBA. The San Antonio Spurs, on the other hand, one of the better road teams ATS. But when you look at the Memphis Grizzlies down the stretch, I really think they really turned their fortunes around at home. I think it's important them being in this situation last year and losing that game to the Portland Trailblazers and that playing scenario down in, in, in Orlando in the bubble. I think that's a motivated Grizzly team. I think they will get the win over the Spurs. I worry about them moving forward. Um, What I will say is this though: the Memphis Grizzlies have to figure out a way to hit threes. Nobody on that team can get consistent three-point shooting, and that's going to be a problem for the Memphis Grizzlies. I'm not sure what the health status of Grayson Allen is, but missing Grayson Allen is a big, big. uh, It's crazy that I'm talking about missing Grayson Allen, but that's a real (laughs) big thing for this team.
5: Well, guys like Grayson Allen
7: and Dylan Brooks. Yeah, those, those two guys, sorry to cut you off, Sarah, but guys like Dylan Brooks and Grayson Allen, they are like huge contributors to that team. Whenever they're out of that lineup, the offense is so different because they don't have stretched guys to shoot. So I agree with you there. I definitely think that that 38% mark for San Antonio's defense, the Grizzlies have to go above that if they want to win that game.
5: Corial, I was going to say, is if you watch a lot of Grizzlies throughout the season and bet on them a lot, I'll tell you here, my friend, because your girl was not watching a lot of the Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> This is <laughs> the Eastern Conference. Our first matchup features the reeling Boston Celtics, who not many people expected to be in the play in tournament facing the Washington Wizards, one of the hottest teams in the NBA. Just ask Drew Dinsick. For more on both teams and their current mindsets, here is Chris Forsberg of NBC Sports Boston and Chris Miller from NBC Sports Washington.
9: The Boston Celtics are in the play-in tournament and they've got a brutal first matchup against the Washington Wizards, one of the hottest teams in the NBA at the end of the regular season. So how do they survive and advance into the actual postseason bracket? Well, to me, it starts with Jason Tatum. Had a lot of loud games this year, 250 plus point games, including that matching the Celtics record, 60 points, Larry Bird. Uh, earlier in the year they need Jason Tatum to be the best player on the court and that to me comes down to being aggressive early Tatum tends to ease into games he's not going to have that luxury in the playing round especially when you consider the Celtics won't have Jalen Brown out there they need Jason Tatum to go out there see Bradley Beal his old St. Louis buddy on the other side of the court and be motivated to be the best player out there and then it comes down to health for the Celtics Late in the season, they've really tried to figure out, you know, could they get this group healthy? You've got Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier acquired at the trade deadline. They showed some great chemistry at the finish line of the season. Can they be impact players and help Tatum with the scoring burden? And then i might got my eyes on the center position. Rob Williams and Tristan Thompson both missing time at the finish line. Are they able to be out there and be healthy? And can the Celtics' defense, after being invisible for much of the late part of the season, finally dig in and show up. Marcus Smart, can he lead that aggressive attack? Because the Wizards can put up points and they need to force them into bad isolation basketball if they're going to win this game. The
10: Wizards didn't only qualify for the play-in tournament. They actually are the eighth seed. And Scott Brooks actually joked after the game against Charlotte that he agrees with LeBron. Whoever came up with this concept should be fired because... I think we all thought the Wizards were good enough to get into the playoffs, or at least in the play-in, but they are the eighth seed, which means if they beat the Celtics, they're moving on to take on the Brooklyn Nets. And I think you have to go back to April the 5th, guys. It was a loss against the Toronto Raptors. The Wizards were reeling. They were 17-32. Since then, third-best record in the league going 17-7. You might be asking why. It is a byproduct of Russell Westbrook, first of all, getting healthy, This is a Wizards team that started 0-5, went through the COVID, came out of the all-star break, lost five games. And then all of a sudden, Westbrook got healthy, went on that triple-double run. And Bradley Beal was in that scoring chase with Steph Curry all the way up to the last game of the year. This Wizards team is dangerous because you have two high-level players that I think the Celtics are going to have a tough time matching up against. But here's the question. Health. What is the health of Bradley Beal in that hamstring? He was smarting through in the game against Charlotte after coming back. He didn't look anywhere close to 100%. But the Celtics know in three games this year, Bradley Beal averaged 40.6 points per game against the Seas.
5: All righty. Thank you, Chris. Uh, those I like previous. That awesome, by the way. Yes, me too, and of course the last time these two teams met in the Boston Celtics and the Washington Wizards, it was a ridiculous thrilling game, a one-point difference where Bradley Beal missed that tough jumper uh, in Boston. So Drew, I will start with you here because you ride and you rode that Wizards wave for quite some time, and I'm I'm very much looking forward to getting your thoughts on this series because it opened point that with the Boston Celtics a point and a half, a lot of movement on this line, a lot of money come in on the other side, on the Washington Wizards, real.
6: Yeah, I was hoping for a bigger number on my Wizards, but one and a half's not going to do it for me. I can't get involved at this price. It's uh, this is way too close, and you know these two teams are about a point, point and a half, uh, you know, difference by my numbers. Um, but ultimately, there are enough questions about Beal's health. Uh, There is enough true talent in the likes of Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum that the Boston Mm -hmm. Celtics are going to be in it. Uh, Ultimately, they're going to have a chance, even if they're down 10 points in the fourth quarter. uh, The Wizards defense is not strong enough to put this game away comfortably. Um, I'm going to take an under on this one. Two thirty two and a half is still too high. My number here was two twenty eight. Uh, I think there are a lot of factors that play into the under, even beyond just the fact that you could have a play, you know you have an elimination game type of atmosphere. Um, if one of these two teams were to truly struggle in this contest, and deep down. Uh, you know, double digits as we get into the last six minutes of the game, I can entirely see them saying, hey, you know what, let's get our guys off the floor, let's get them some rest, let's pack it up and we'll get ready for the next one. Um, And then the flip side is true, is if this is a close game, if it's one or two points difference, uh, I think this ultimately comes down to, you know, slowing it down, premium on possessions, premium on good offensive looks, making your free throws. It's going to be tough for these two teams to fill it up from three. This is too big of a number considering the circumstances. So, under for me in this one, and, and then I'm Fingers crossed from an entertainment standpoint, <laughs> I would really like the Wizards and the Nets. That would be such a fun series. Uh, and then I'm Celtics, I'd like to see the Celtics beat whoever in the in the 9-10 play and, uh, and send the Celtics to Philly. That would be a fun one as well. So I think if the basketball gods have anything to say about this, send the Wizards to Brooklyn send Boston to Philly, and let's uh, let's get going in the East.
5: And the market has been in agreement with you just on the total alone, 234.5 now down to 232.5. We will see where this number lands come tip off. Corey, a feeling on the side or the total, possibly the under like Drew likes?
0: Yeah, definitely going to hop in on the under on this one right here. Total looks a little bit too high to be basically a postseason game. So the under is the play on this one. Listen, Chris Miller mentioned it. You look at this Washington Wizards team, and that was the day. It was April fifth. Since April fifth, nineteen four and one ATS the Washington Wizards. But now, listen, all of that is over now. It's done. You know everything. Bradley now. The Bradley Beal injury is going to be critical because listen, the bottom line of the matter is this: this looks like a one possession game to me. Who do you think is going to hit the clutch shot? Jason Tatum or Russell Westbrook? <laughs> Or Bradley Bill. Vaughn, who do you think? What Bradley Beal is hurt. Bradley Bill is hurt. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. That's his his
7: hamstring, he definitely, didn't look as, he definitely didn't look as strong in his last game. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure he missed 18 or 19 shot attempts or something like that. Uh, you know, and Russell Westbrook right now is obviously playing out of his mind. Um, it's someone that I've been riding continually uh, on the rebounds and assists, one of the others. So I'm going to keep that going here. Uh, I'm going to bring in the first player prop for us. Uh, It's going to be Russell Westbrook's points and assists on points bet over 37 and a half. Um, I like that number because Russ could easily go get 25 here, go get 30. He's been an animal on assists. I could see a 15 assist game here. Um, NBC Sports Edge also just tweeted out that the Celtics will have Smart, Kemba, Tristan, uh, Fournier, and Rob Williams. They're all playing. Of course, they have to in the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, They've been rested a little bit here. So I'm not as high on the rebound prop for Russell Westbrook because Thompson, Rob Williams, Tatum, all these guys can get boards as well. I think Westbrook's a very good bet on the points or the assists in this game. As for the total, I'm kind of in agreement with the with the men here on the under. Um, it's a very high total with Marcus Smart and a couple guys like that. They could slow Bradley Bill or Russell Westbrook down if they're not looking themselves the entire game. Um, and my basketball gods, Drew, want the Wizards to win game one and then the Hornets to beat the Celtics in the second game. So that's what my basketball gods would do.
5: Well,
7: Von, let me, little,
5: uh, okay. Vaughn, let me interrupt you there and let's let's talk about the Pacers Hornets game because you called the basketball gods to get the Hornets to get the dub Hornets are on a five game L streak. So how do you play uh, or how do you even attack and handicap this game when the Pacers have been yeah. decent? They have one of the best players in the game. and Sabonis Could he carry them? And the Hornets, as I mentioned, on a five game losing streak.
7: Sabonis has definitely burned me a couple times lately because he's not scoring as much because he's, he, I mean, he looks fatigued a little bit. He's out there doing everything for this team. Malcolm Brogdon's out, Sumner's out, Holiday's out. Levert had a migraine in his last game. Um, if Levert does play, look at his assist total. He's going to be the ma- primary ball handler in this game. So anything over four and a half, five and a half assists, I think is a good bet for him. But my Hornets, uh, listen, I've watched this team so much this year. I, I did not think that was going to be the case. Uh, LaMelo Ball, Rookie of the Year. We got Money Miles, Pop Bear, P.J. Washington, (laughs) Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham. All these guys can get buckets. They're an athletic team. They're young, run and gun. Um, The Pacers, this is the best team that they could be playing right now. The Pacers' defense is horrible. I mean, they're allowing almost 120 points per game in the month of May in their last 10 games. Um, To the Hornets' credit, that losing streak that you mentioned, uh, they lost to the Pelicans, Nuggets, Clippers, Knicks, and Wizards. Four of those teams are playoff teams right now. Uh, so that was a tough stretch for them to end the season. I like the Hornets in this position. I like the plus three a lot here. And like I said, the over has value as the Pacers' defense does not look good. So I'm going to roll with the Hornets here. I also took uh, two lunch money bets, okay? So, you know, you got 25 50 bucks, whatever you want to spend, whatever you're willing to lose. So I think excellent. there's some value on the Hornets to make the playoffs at plus 400 and the Celtics not to make the playoffs at plus 450 on points bet. I think you hit one of those two bets. You can make a pretty good payout there. 50 bucks wins 200 plus for those. Um, I think those are pretty good odds. The Pacers, I don't think have a shot of making the playoffs here. So I'll happily take the Hornets. And like I said, I think the Hornets and Celtics would be an amazing matchup. Uh, It might be Hornets wizards, but I'm going to ride with LaMelo ball in the squad.
5: Vaughn, you're having a really nice lunch. That's all I want to say. Drew. <laughs> yeah, from Vaughan, very I I have nice crab legs lunch. For lunch. Is. Yeah, amazing. I don't know where my lunch is. I skipped it today. Drew, your lunch money had it better be a bougie lunch in this series. I got yeah. a date. I got a date. What do you like, Drew?
6: Yeah, I'm riding I'm riding with Vaughn in this one. Hornets money line all the way, plus 135. This should be a pick This shouldn't be a three-point game for the Pacers. I get it that they could have some surprise contributions from some of these guards who are listed as questionable right now, but personally, I don't think we see Brogdon. I don't think we see Lamb. I don't think we see one of the holidays and Sumner out as well. We're, Karis Levert's going to go, uh, and he, he and Sabonis, you know, that's a good enough duo to be competitive in this game, but the Hornets play so hard. And uh, they're fully healthy coming into this one. I think you look at some of the results in their five game losing stretch and you have to tip your hat to how they were playing uh, and better coach team, um, team playing for more. Uh, I think the Hornets would love to reward you know themselves with a, a playoff opportunity after overachieving the, the way they have this season, that young yeah. core. Uh, so Hornets all the way here for me.
5: Corey, I'm going to spend this differently. It's time to get into our best bets for the play-in tournament. So, Corey, what are one, two, three of your favorite things that you're putting some lunch money, dinner money, date money, whatever on?
0: I know we can bring it all together, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to bet on a team that's 30 and 41 ATS on the season. That's the Indiana Pacers. They are terrible against the spread. One of the biggest money burners in the NBA. So I'm on the Charlotte Hornets money line. I'll go right there.
5: Vaughn, best bet.
7: Yeah, I'm also on the Charlotte Hornets plus three here. I like this one a lot. Like I said, I got the under on the Warriors and Lakers at two twenty two. I would still play at the two nineteen half two twenty. And I couldn't go on here without talking about Money Miles Bridges. (laughs) Points bet has a nice option uh, on there under the name your bet uh, name your bet section. Miles Bridges to score fourteen plus points automatic. And then the Hornets to win between one and ten points at plus two forty, I like that. I think that's a good payout, so I'm going to rock with that one as well.
5: True.
6: Yeah, uh, I like all those looks. The only thing I can add is uh, Wizards Celtics under um, Hornets money line. Wizards Celtics under Lakers under. Uh, those are the three best plays for me for these next couple of days.
5: Okay, I love it. Uh, The NBA playoffs, they're here. And whether it's DFS or betting, we want you to play with confidence. So sign up now for our DFS and betting tools to give you an edge throughout the entire playoffs. Use our optimizer to set your lineups and check out our game predictions, trends, and player prop projections before placing your wagers. So go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash premium to learn more and use promo code PLAYOFFS10 to get 10% off any subscription. And we will be right back.
11: Welcome to NBC Sports Edge, your one stop for everything fantasy, DFS, and more. Get up-to-date news and insights from our award-winning analysts. Looking to raise your game even more? NBC Sports Edge Plus helps you level up with an array of premium tools and resources keeping you ahead of the pack. Learn more at NBCSportsEdge.com
5: take a step back from the totals the spreads and bring in our fantasy crew the round ball stew crew that is ryan canal Matt straup and steve alexander aka i was told i can call him doc so that's what i'm going by <laughs> for this show and a lot to break down here in the eastern conference guys but first and foremost thanks for being with us
1: thanks for thanks there. happy to be here I, I gotta say i just spent the last 30 minutes or so scrambling around looking for a blazer and turtleneck combo to rival Vaughn's outfit but i got <laughs> nothing i couldn't find anything in the closet <laughs>
5: I told Vaughn when he first came on, whatever you're betting on with that outfit, I'm following you because you're very convincing. In that blazer. So uh, let's see which one of you can convince me, maybe with your NBC Sports Edge nice logo shirts. uh, Who to like in this one? And Matt, I will start with you because I look at the East and my Miami Heat team, I'm from there in the sixth seed playing the Milwaukee Bucks. And we know what the Heat were able to do last year in the bubble, really take Giannis out of the game and frustrate him. And you could argue it's a different Milwaukee Bucks team this season. So when you look at the Heat and the Bucks, how do these two teams stack up against each other?
1: Yeah, when you first look at this matchup on paper, it does look a little bit lopsided. I mean, Milwaukee, the top-scoring team in the league at 120 points per game. Miami, meanwhile, the second-lowest-scoring team in the playoffs ahead of only the Knicks at 108 points per game. And I mean, with Milwaukee, you've got the clear-cut big three and Holiday, kind of as you said, Sarah, maybe the difference-maker for them this time around. And the question for Miami becomes who can be that third guy? They brought in Victor Oladipo to be that guy. He's hurt. So... That becomes the key for me. Who can be the third guy to make a difference for the Heat? And the one encouraging factor here is Goran Dragic and Tyler Hero both showed in the bubble last year that they can be that guy. And both played pretty well down the stretch. And in particular, I will point to Dragic. He's about 65 years old in NBA years. But over his last 10 games, we're seeing you know some close to vintage Dragic numbers. 15 points per game, four and a half, dime, four and a half dimes, two and a half threes, shooting 43% from distance that tells me that he is ready to go. So don't rule out the possibility of a Dragic awakening slash reawakening and him becoming that third guy to give Miami, you know, at, at least something close to even footing in this series. I think Miami could be sneaky.
12: The
13: the the dragon breathes fire again, huh Matt? <laughs> Going go with, with Goran, well, I, I agree with you. And I think Miami, they may not have that true third, but they have kind of squad goals here. They, they have Goron Dragic, six-man. He could steal a win by himself in a series, as we've seen before. Uh, Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson both really stepped up last year for the Heat. They're going to need them to knock down perimeter shots, stay sharp. Uh, Robinson has developed some counters, so he's not quite as three-point reliant as he used to be, but obviously his primary goal is just to stretch the court out there. Uh, and then Kendrick Nunn has been fantastic, especially when Jimmy Butler misses time. Uh, he's just an automatic bucket. And then Trevor Ariza, who they brought in, has been an excellent addition. Kind of gives them that veteran 3 and D wing. Versatile enough, he can switch everything defensively. Uh, so obviously it's going to start with Jimmy and Bam, but I do think that team-wise, they they have enough to at least make this a very competitive series.
5: Sounds like you two like Miami to keep it competitive. What about, what about you, Doc?
12: Well, I, I think the, the Heat were like top 10 in defense last year as a team, and they're bottom 10 this year, and that's a huge difference. Uh, I do think I would be shocked if Goran Dragic does not go crazy in this series though, because the, the Heat need a number three to step up. Dragic did it last year, um, even in the regular season when everybody thought he was too old to do it. Uh, I'd be shocked if he doesn't show up and, and ball out in this series. Uh, but, you know, no Victor Oladipo. But this Bucks is a much better three-pointing shoot, uh, three-point shooting team this year. Better defensive team. I mean, the trading out Drew Holiday uh, for Eric Bledsoe was just massive. So I, I, I don't love the Heat's chances in this. Also, you know the Bucks have home court, and that's that's going to make it tough.
13: It's it's interesting that the Bucks, you know, they're lost to the Heat last year was so impactful that the Bucks and coach Mike Buttenholzer have spent much of this season trying to, to figure out what went wrong. How did this fall apart? And, you know, a lot has been made of how they use the dunker spot differently, try to make their offensive schemes a little bit more diverse so that defenses can't just build a wall against Giannis, dare him to shoot. And he's proven yet again this year that he can't hit three pointers. He dipped slightly to thirty point three percent this year from deep, I believe. Uh, so they're gonna say, hey, it worked last year. Why go away from it and make the bucks? prove that the changes they've implemented this this year, which include also using Giannis and more pick and roll action, uh, putting him in pick and rolls with Chris Middleton, get their best two players. No offense, true holiday, but get them on um, ball. Uh, and speaking of holiday, Steve, I'm with you. I think his addition is really, really the game changer for Milwaukee. There's a reason that they gave him that massive extension. They love his fit and he gives them that release valve uh, when Giannis is struggling.
12: I'll, I'll tell you, if the Heat are going to win, I think it comes down. It could come down to Giannis's free throw shooting. And a lot of people talk about Giannis and his free throws. Well, he shot 68.3% as a rookie from the line. He shot 68.5% this year. Uh, so it's exactly the same. He's still a terrible free throw shooter. In the playoffs last year, he shot 58% from the line. If he's going to the line a ton and he's only going to hit 58% again, like that is – that's the Heat's big chance. So I look for Giannis to be on the line a lot in this series. And, and I think if he can knock them down, they're going to roll easily. And if he can't, then it could get interesting.
5: Yeah, and well, Steve, your point, your point about the Miami Heat defense being a lot better last year is true. Plus, you have to keep in mind the Bucks first team to average 120 points per game for a season since 1984-85 uh, with the Denver Nuggets. So we have to pick a series winner. Minus 265 for the Bucks. I'll start with you, Matt. What do you think?
1: Well, I was all set to pick Milwaukee in this series, but over the course of kind of studying it and breaking it down, I started to talk myself into the Heat a little bit. First of all, we know Miami is not going to be scared of Milwaukee after knocking them out last season. We also know that though the Heat were only 40 and 32 on the season, they were 33 and 19 when Jimmy Butler played. So, Again, it comes down to who can be that third guy. It could be Dragic. It could be Tyler Hero, who we mentioned, who was fantastic, his final six games, shooting nearly 49% on three. So the Heat have guys who can make life really hard for Milwaukee. I originally was going Bucks in six. I think we need a little spice here, so I'm going to go against my instincts. I'm going to go with playoff Jimmy. I'm going to assume the back issue over the weekend was nothing, and I'm flipping my prediction, which none of you knew in the first place, to Heat in seven.
5: (laughs) All right. Playoff Jimmy. I'm with that as well. Steve? Series winner, Bucks or Heat?
12: Uh, I am going Bucks in six. I think the addition of Drew Holiday, the addition of Bobby Portis, highly underrated. I think Portis is going to make a lot of noise in the playoffs uh, coming off the bench. Bryn Forbes can shoot it. Dante Divincenzo is a better player than people think he is. Plus, they got Middleton and Giannis. Uh, I just think I just think the Bucks are going to be too much. Um, I'm going Bucks and six. All right.
13: Well, Steve not only stole all of my talking points, but he also stole my pick. So I'm going, I'm going Bucks and six as well. And I'm glad that you finally mentioned the Bucks role players because we we heaped a lot of love on Miami's others, as we call them. Uh, but Milwaukee has some great guys too, and uh, a true center, you know and Brooke Lopez, who can protect the rim and hit three pointers. Dante DiVincenzo has taken a step forward. If they need to go nine deep in their rotation, they can bring in Pat Connaughton, who's proven to be, you know, a pretty versatile guy. They could throw out there, hit some threes, rebound, get out and run. Uh, so I think that the addition of Drew Holiday again is the real X factor that will flip the script from what happened last year. So bucks and six.
5: Steve, I'm going to start with you here as we get to the four or five, the Knicks and the Hawks. I'm not going to start and be fooled with Matt because I see all his Hawks jerseys behind him. So that being said, the Knicks, what do you make of this team? Could they make a run in the playoffs? We know this is the first time of them even being back in the playoffs since the Carmelo Anthony era, but they have tons of, uh, or lack rather of postseason experience, which side, what stands out in this matchup for you?
12: Well, what you may not know is I'm, basically Matt's neighbor in Atlanta. And I've got more Hawks stuff in my office than he has in his. I've got Dominique Wilkins game worn shoe. I can't see
5: well back there. I
12: know, I know, I know it's also my mom's attic. So there's that, (laughs) but uh, this one was really hard for me. Matt and I had uh, Bob Rathman, the voice of the Hawks on, on the roundabout round ball stew podcast this year. He's one of my good buddies. I really, I really don't want to make him mad. Um, So there's some pressure on me here but the Knicks defense scares me to death you know Tom DeVoe uh they've got all those guards they've got quickly they've got Peyton they've got Rose they've even got Nate Kina Uh, all those guys can play D they've got the home home court advantage they've got Julius Randle um came out of nowhere to be an all-star really one of one of the most surprising stories in the NBA this year I think and they've got um you know RJB who really came on had a great year, and then you've got Bullock and Burks both um, creating, you know, spreading the floor and, and shooting it from outside there. And they play defense. So what the Hawks have that they haven't had for most of the years, DeAndre Hunter back to try to guard Julius Randle, which mm-hmm. that is probably the key to this thing for the Hawks. Somebody has to slow Randle down. Um, and uh, the the Knicks' ability to play defense against Trey Young is is frightening to me. But um, having said all that, I still think the Hawks were the better team this year. They're a little better at home than they are on the road, and the fact that the, the Knicks have home court here scares me there as well. But Nate McMillan pulled off you know, a midseason miracle for Atlanta, and there's no reason he can't keep it going through the, through the playoffs too.
1: Yeah, Steve, you hit on it there. I mean, it's, to me, when I look at this from the New York side of things, it, the key is Julius Randle is not even close. He destroyed the Hawks this season, and that's probably putting it too nicely. In three games, he had two 40-point games. He averaged 37 points, 12 boards, nearly seven assists, hit 13 threes in three games. And that's the key. It's, it's DeAndre Hunter, like you said, Steve. We saw him back on Sunday playing 24 minutes in a game that meant nothing, but it did mean something for Hunter because he got out there and knocked off some of the rust. And to me, if he can somehow slow down Randall, who just inexplicably, good player, but inex- inexplicably raises his game against the Hawks, that's the key matchup for me. And as you said, Steve, the Hawks started out 14 and 20, went 27 and 11 after that under Nate McMillan. I think this is a team that. Weirdly, both of these fan bases, I think, are underestimating the other team in this matchup.
13: <laughs> that, that win rate, uh, 27 and 11 under McMillan, 71% win rate, would have been second best in the NBA wow. behind o- only Utah on a season-long basis. So the Hawks are doing special things. Uh, but obviously, as both of you have mentioned, Julius Randle has shattered the Hawks in the regular season. And if the Hawks are relying on DeAndre Hunter on a sore, surgically repaired knee playing 24 minutes a game, slowing him down... They're going to be in real trouble. Um, So, you know, I I think the Hawks' depth of talent is really their strong suit. And Bogdan Bogdanovich has been lights out recently. Uh, Past month, he's shooting 20 or in April, rather, 22 points per game, four and a half boards, four and a half dimes, 1.3 steals, hitting almost four and a half three pointers on nearly 50% from deep. So, his ability to keep the offense afloat when Trey Young is either Mm -hmm. struggling, which he has all season, and three regular season games versus New York shot 36.2%. So having Bogdanovich there to keep the offense propped up is going to be a huge key to the series.
5: Ryan, I'm going to stay with you as we get to the series picks for the New York Knicks and Atlanta Hawks. I think you guys touched on everything, in particular the Hawks suffocating defense. They obviously beat Atlanta, but a lot of bright spots for that Atlanta team as well. So when it's all said and done, who wins this series?
13: I'm going to have to take, you know, despite Julius Randle smashing them, I'm going to
12: go with the Hawks in seven.
5: Hawks in seven. Steve?
12: Uh, One guy we've got to mention, because I'll feel bad if we didn't do it, and it's not John Collins, it's Clint Capella, maybe the most underrated center in the NBA. Had an incredible year for the Hawks, has the best hands of almost any center out there. He could be a huge key in this series, especially since uh, the Knicks could spend a lot of time playing, Randall at center, if they don't feel like uh, Nolan's Noel can hang with Capella, but I am going reluctantly, even though the Knicks were three and0 against the Hawks, even though they have home court advantage, even though they have Hawk destroyer Julius Randall, I'm taking the Hawks in seven with Ryan Knauss.
1: The Knicks were 3-0 against the Hawks, but two of those were before the coaching change. And in the third one, Trey Young was on his way to an absolutely massive game before he sprained his ankle. Mm -hmm. And the Hawks looked like they were on their way to a a win in that one. I said I mentioned the fans before, I think this series is going to be absolutely gut-wrenching for both sides. And I can see the Knicks' path to victory. It is make the game a little bit ugly, dominate with their defense, and I could absolutely see that happening. I just think... With the Hawks are playing their game with Trey and Bogdanovich on the perimeter, Collins and Capella catching lobs and controlling the paint on defense. I just think the Hawks have more weapons than the Knicks do, more dangerous weapons if their game plan goes as planned. I also, as you said, have a Bogdan Bogdanovich jersey right behind me. And Trey Young over here. So
14: mm-hmm.
1: I can't pick against the Hawks. I do think this is gonna be brutal. I barely want to watch it. I can't wait to watch it. I don't want to watch it. Hawks in seven. <sighs>
5: I don't have the sense, where I'm a Hawks fan but you guys have all somehow convinced me that I should love the Atlanta Hawks and bet <laughs> on them okay we'll be back in just a second with the Western Conference preview for now we're doing our best to get you ready for the start of the playoffs but if you want to stay up to date on all the latest news injuries analysis and more download the NBC Sports Edge app NBC Sports Edge was built on player news and now you can customize that experience by getting alerts <clears> on all <throat> of your favorite players and teams as soon as the news is posted our latest update It also includes articles and player cards, and even more is on the way. So look out for the NBC Sports Edge app in the Apple App Store and Google Play Store, and we will be right back.
11: Don't leave money on the table, no matter your sports, The Predictor app has got you covered. Tens of thousands in cash prizes up for grabs every week, and it's free to play. Download the NBC Sports Predictor app, powered by PointsBet, now.
5: We're back with the Round Ball Stew crew, and there's a lot to get to as we'll preview the Western Conference. Uh, But before that, we do have a little bit of insider take information of a guy who covers the team day in and day out, and that's Jim Hines, because on Monday night, the Trailblazers beat the Nuggets pretty decisively to secure that number six seed, and now these two teams will be running it back. Here's Jim Nines of Hines excuse me, of NBC Sports Northwest. With the player, the Trailblazers must stop if they want to advance to round two.
14: Okay, it's going to be the Denver Nuggets and the Portland Trailblazers facing off old rivals. You can look at Recent history, you can look at past history. This season, the Nuggets took two out of three from the Trail Blazers, and actually the the one win Portland got happened to be Sunday night when the Nuggets didn't need to win. So there's not much we can learn from that from the Portland side. Obviously, Nikola Jokic is the guy that the Blazers must stop. And on the other side, facing him, Yusef Nurkic, the former Denver center with a lot of experience. Now, the big thing for Portland – They had tremendous success against Denver just a couple years ago in the playoffs in the second round where they won game seven in Denver against the Nuggets to advance to the Western Conference Finals. So this is not any kind of opposition that's going to frighten the Trailblazers. It's going to be a great series. I really believe it could go all the way into seven games. And the Trailblazers and the Nuggets always play well. Jamal Murray being out for the Nuggets
5: a big factor in this play And that is of course, Dwight James who covers the trailblazers for NBC sports Northwest. Sorry about that. Thank you, Dwight. Okay, Matt, I'm going to go to you here first. We're taking a look at what I'm very excited for, for this uh, matchup in particular, the nuggets and the trailblazers. Do the nuggets have enough firepower after that Murray injury to really, uh, I guess you could argue, put Dame time away.
1: Yeah, that's the key. They went 13 and five after the season ending ACL tear, to Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter Jr. really went into the stratosphere after the Murray injury, averaged 23.5 points, shot 56% from the field, and 49 on threes, making nearly four per game. He is a star in the making, one of the hottest players in the league heading to the playoffs. <clears throat> but even though Denver went 13 and 5 to close out the season, I think the playoffs are where we're really going to see that injury's impact felt. I mean, he was flat out spectacular in the bubble, 26.5 points per game in the playoffs, 250 point games, 240 point games, and Nothing against Facundo Campazzo, who I know Steve loves, or Monte Morris, or any of those other guys, including Aaron Gordon. The other guys in Denver just don't scare you enough. So it's Jokic and Porter, almost nothing else. And I don't know if that's going to be enough against a really deep Blazers team.
13: Yeah, that's, that's a big problem. Obviously, no, Jamal Murray is the headline, but they lost Will Barton, too. And we don't know when he'll be back from that hamstring injury. Takes away another playmaker who could potentially, you know, give them that X-factor offense that they need, a pretty solid defender as well. Um, and P.J. Dozier is out, takes away another good two-way option for them. So the depth is starting to become an issue for them. Now, of course, no one is going to be able to stop uh, the MVP front runner Nikola Jokic, but if anyone can maybe slow him down, make life a little bit difficult, it could be the Bosnian beast, Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, at least, you know, put some pressure on him. Make him feel you when he's when Jokic is going for rebounds. Uh, attack him in the paint. Make him burn available calories doing dirty work so that he's not just free flow running the offense as he can do so well. So. I think if the Blazers can hit that, and obviously their backcourt can take over. I mean, Damian Lillard is on a tear. I believe Mm -hmm. he scored 30-plus points in seven straight games, the longest streak of his career. He's just doing amazing things. The Blazers are healthy at the right time. So I think, honestly, although it's a 3-6 matchup in Denver's favor, I feel like the Nuggets might be on on their heels a little bit.
12: Yeah, and I mean, everybody's talked about it. When Jamal Murray went down with his injury, a lot of pundits were like, they're done. There's no way the Nuggets could win anything now without Jamal Murray, especially at the way Murray played in the playoffs last year. But, you know, my guy, Composo, he's fine. Hustle 100% all the time. Uh, my guy Michael Porter Jr. is a monster and I think what we're going to find out in this series is just how good Nikola Jokic is because if Denver is going to win the series he is going to have to be probably even better than he's been all season long which I don't even know if he can be Um, also I think a, a key for the Blazers that nobody really talks about is they traded Gary Trent Jr. for Norman Powell and Norman Powell is a mini monster of his own. Like he is a really, really good player. And people don't talk about him. Everybody talks about CJ and Dane. Um, but if CJ and Dame and Norm Powell are all clicking at the same time, the Nuggets are going to have real problems with that. And, and like Ryan said, uh, Nurk Alert is going to have to do something to slow Jokic down. I don't think the Nuggets are done without Jamal Murray just yet. But it's, it's going to be a fun series. Like I'm really excited about watching this one.
5: It's going to be tough to slow Jokic down no matter what the team, but especially for the Trailblazers who finished the regular season 29th in defensive rating. But towards the end of the season, we saw them really pull that together. So we always are finishing this, as you see, with picks for the series, the Nuggets versus the Trailblazers. Ryan, who you taking?
13: I'm going to Listen, it's extremely hard to bet against the MVP frontrunner sure. in the first round of a playoff series, which foreshadows what I'm about to say: Blazers in six.
5: Matt.
1: Yeah, I, I don't even think it is that hard, Ryan, to pick against Jokic at this point. The Blazers had a brutal stretch, lost nine of eleven games in April. Since then, they've won ten of twelve. Lillard was struggling; he's been on fire, as we said, averaging thirty points per game his last the last twelve games during this run. I and mean, this is as explosive as a six seed as you can imagine, a team that's seasoned, experienced. Uh, with Murray playing, I think this is a different story, but I'm picking the Blazers to win this in six as well.
12: Well, only because everybody said Denver could not win once Jamal, Jamal Murray went down. I did not say that. I thought Denver was going to be OK. I'm going with Nuggets in seven. I am a little worried that we're going to see playoff Carmelo Anthony show his head. At some point in the series, I think he's going to have a couple good games, but I still think Michael Porter Jr. and Jokic are going to go crazy. I think Dame's going to have a couple off-shooting nights, and the Nuggets are going to, even though they're probably the favorite, we're, I'm going to call, I'm going to call it shock the Blazers and uh, take it in seven.
5: Wow. Okay. Finally, you guys are on different sides. I needed to hear something after that Hawks sweep that we all had. You're welcome. Yes, I appreciate (laughs) you putting it up there. Okay, after a disappointing playoff exit last year in the bubble, the Clippers are once again facing off against the Mavericks in the opening round. Can the Clippers finally get over the hump? Kurt Eland of NBCSports.com has the latest from Los Angeles.
8: If I had to pick one team right now to come out of the West, it would probably be the Los Angeles Clippers. Not doing that with a ton of confidence. I'd take the field over them. But the Clippers have everything I'm looking for. They check all the boxes. First off, they have a leader who's finals MVP level good in Kawhi Leonard, who's had an all-NBA season. He's got a partner on the wing in Paul George, who's also playing at an all-NBA level this year. And two-way wings are the key to winning a lot in the NBA. It's, it's a critical part of playoff victories. They've also got versatility. They can beat you big. They can beat you small. They've got veterans. They've got championship-level coaching. The Clippers check every box – and yet it's just hard to trust them, right? We've saw the collapse in the bubble last year and this isn't the bubble, but we've seen this franchise collapse so many times it's hard to trust them and that said, this is a Los Angeles Clippers team fully capable of winning an NBA title.
5: I'm with Kurt there. I mean, it surely seems like the Los Angeles Clippers possess all of the ingredients for success down the stretch. They have the star duo, veterans experience, coaching, you name it. So, Steve when push comes to shove, can Luka Doncic and company take down this pretty stacked, I would say quiet somehow this season, Los Angeles Clippers team?
12: You know, I don't know. I think every everybody's going to talk about Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, but, you know, Patrick Beverly is a defensive genius, and he's also one of the most annoying players to play against in the league. Rajon Rondo has more playoff experience in his pinky than a lot of these guys have you know, a lot of teams have in the NBA, like Rajon Rondo is going to be a key in this series. One way or the under one way or the other. And then Serge Ibaka, we haven't seen him in like two months. Uh, He's going to come in and play a big role off the bench for them. And Avicii Zubac is, is playing really well at center. So they are a well-rounded team. The Mavericks are basically Luca. And if Porzingis can stay healthy enough to get out there, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., Josh Richardson, uh, DFS, like it's going to take everything Luca and Porzingis have to make this happen. They almost pulled it off last year. Can Porzingis stay healthy for seven games? If he can, the Mavs have a shot.
13: That's a bit. I mean, Porzingis' health is key. And the fact that he's coming into the playoffs with soreness in his surgically repaired knee is a huge red flag, right? Because, <laughs> because you're right. It's going to come down to Ken, Luca and KP do enough to, to carry this, this team. And that makes me nervous. And, I'm, I'm equally nervous about the Mavs defense because the name of the game for the Clippers offense has been efficiency. They led the league in free throw percentage this year at 84%. They led the league in three point percentage this year at 41.4%, more than 2% above the next closest team. Uh, they led the league in catch and shoot points over 35 p- per game. The point is they're generating a lot of easy points for themselves. And I don't have a ton of confidence that the Mavericks can make life difficult defensively. Whereas I do have confidence that the Clippers by draping Kawhi, Paul George, even Marcus Morris on to Luka can make life tough for the Mavs.
1: Yeah, the Clippers had a stretch where they won 17 out of 20 games in March and April. It kind of feels like a long time ago now as they kind of wheezed to the finish a little bit while they're arresting some guys. But I tend to believe that that team is the team we might see once the lights go on in the playoffs. They're 36 and 16 when Kawhi Leonard plays, as Ryan said, the best three point shooting team in the league For Dallas, it just feels like so much has to break right. Luka's going to have to play out of his mind. You guys said Porzingis has to stay healthy. He also has to stay healthy and dominate because they're just not that deep. They have Tim Hardaway Jr., kind of an X-factor, hit 10 threes in a game recently. After those three guys, I mean, who's their fourth best player? Jalen Brunson. The Mavs are just not that deep, and I I just don't think they're going to be able to hang.
5: Sounds like we're all in agreement we'll see similar to what we saw in 2020. So that being said, series predictions. I'll start with you, Matt.
1: Yeah, for the reasons I just stated, uh, you know, depth, Clippers, just a much more dangerous offensive team. I've got L.A. winning this in five. I know, Steve, I think I can see the Luka Doncic jersey in the background. Apologies, Steve, but uh, I'm taking the Clippers in a, in a walk over
12: here.
5: <laughs> Steve, defend your jersey.
12: I'm I'm going to have a hard time doing that. But, but you know, I'm going to do this for you. I don't want everybody taking the Clippers in five or six or whatever. I'm taking the Mavs in seven. They're my squad uh we have squad goals in my mom's attic we've got a lot of lucas squad
5: squad? i feel like you have 10 squads back there steve
12: no i just have two hawks and hawks and mavs
5: dang it all right Luca
12: and dominique but i'm going i'm going to go with mavs and seven i don't feel good about it i don't i'm not gonna i'm not gonna call up my guy and put a bunch of lunch money dinner money or date money uh like some of us do uh but you know I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be the contrarian and hope that Porzingis shows up and goes off, which is possible. I
13: so I think, in addition to Porzingis staying healthy, he now has to deal with Ivica Zubats, who's been playing really well. Serge Ibaka's return, Steve mentioned, is a key for the Clippers. Gives them a little bit more versatility in the front court. A uh, pick and pop guy can draw Porzingis with his seven foot three frame away from the basket, so the Clippers can do a lot of damage. Now, Steve. To, to bolster your, your hopes, the Mavs did lead the Clippers at halftime early this season by 50 points in a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, now Kawhi was out for that one, but Paul George was playing. So so they they have it in them. But They also I'm gonna, won the series. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Two, two to ones. one. So I'm going to go with, though, a facsimile of last year, Clippers and six.
5: Okay, two Clippers, and then I think really Steve just took the Mavs to be different. I'll take the Clips <laughs> with you guys. All right. Thank you very much. We appreciate the time. This week, NBC Sports Predictor, powered by PointsBet, has two pick-and-roll NBA contests with a total of $150,000 in jackpot uh, jackpot prizes up for grabs. So be sure to get your picks in before tomorrow's night's contest for your chance to win big. Download the Predictor app, powered by PointsBet, and get your picks in now for a chance to win big, and we will be right back.
11: Welcome to NBC Sports Edge. Your one stop for everything fantasy, DFS, and more. Get up-to-date news and insights from our award-winning analysts. Looking to raise your game even more? NBC Sports Edge Plus helps you level up with an array of premium tools and resources keeping you ahead of the pack. Learn more at NBCSportsEdge.com.
5: The guest and analyst are just outstanding for this show. Great time with Roundball Stew. Now I'm back with the gambling crew and joined by uh, PointsBet's head trader and good friend of mine, Jay Croucher. Jay, appreciate the time. And I will say, when I keep looking on PointsBet throughout the day, the NBA market is just insane. So I know you're taking a lot of action, but what's been the action like in terms of where you're seeing the most money come in as of this morning and this afternoon?
15: Yeah, so Sarah, the two really big movers, I guess, have been the Portland Trailblazers, who we opened up as a plus 115 uh, dog against Denver, and they're now into even money. Uh, So not a lot of respect for uh, Nikola Jokic, the presumptive MVP uh, the Nuggets. And then also the Knicks, who uh, we, I guess we underrated them, we added them as a plus 110 dog against the Hawks, and now they're minus 110. So uh, that's kicking with the Hawks, which is... A little bit surprising. Um, I mean, we've taken a lot of money on the Knicks all season. People are definitely buying into the hype, but the trading team here yeah, probably makes the Hawks in that series.
5: Drew, what do you think? I see you making a face over there looking a little bit. Are you not a firm believer in the Knicks? I think we lost Drew's audio for a second.
6: I'm not surprised the market's moving that way in general, uh, just because of, you know, how... Many Knicks fans have seemed to permeate the NBA landscape nowadays. <laughs> uh, they're getting. I'm guessing that's just volume, as opposed to you know your sharper players coming in with an opinion there. Um, to me, that series looks like just whack the home team every game, and Game Seven is a coin flip. Um, I do like that the Portland Trailblazers are the hot side, though, uh, and I'm actually kind of looking into some of your alt markets right now. Um, have you taken any action in in the um, either the uh, the game spread or game total in Portland uh, versus Denver? Because, I mean, if this is lopsided, if Blazers are for real, we're going to know pretty quick, and this could get, uh, you know, this could be a 4-1, 4-2 kind of a series for Portland if they're going to get it done.
15: Yeah, taking a little bit of money on the Blazers minus one and a half, that series handicap, Uh, they briefly flipped into favorites this morning. Uh, But, yeah, I think that with Portland, the thing is, is that since Nurkic came back, uh, I think by net rating, they've been about the third best team in the NBA. And with the guard matchups in this series with Dame and CJ uh, against uh, you know the likes of Monty Morris, Will Barton, my boy, uh, Cam uh it's going to be pretty, uh, it's going to be imbalanced. Uh, so Jokic is going to have a lot to carry. And he's done it all season, but this will definitely be the biggest test.
5: Okay, very quickly, I'd like to get your opinion on just what you would price the Lakers versus the Suns, and on the other side, the Warriors versus the Jazz. How would that look at points, bet if I were to ask you today, Jay?
15: Yeah, so this Lakers, uh, just everything happening with the Lakers right now is a <laughs> bit wild, where the fact that they're only minus four against the Warriors is it's pretty shocking, but that's where all the money is coming in, including informed money, where it opened at six and a half half, it's been bet down to four. So I think the Lakers' price against the Suns Largely depends on how they look against the Warriors and how explosive the LeBron looks in particular. So, I think if the Lakers, if they eke across the line and they win by four or five against the Warriors, the price against Phoenix would be in that minus one hundred and fifty range for the series. The Lakers would be favourite, uh, but if they blow out the Warriors and it's emphatic, yeah. it could be more like minus two hundred, minus two hundred fifty. I think if they were at full strength, the Lakers with no doubts whatsoever about their health, they might even be minus three hundred against Phoenix, but.
14: There's too much ambiguity well. Wow.
5: Wow. People are surprised <laughs> here, Jay. You <laughs> took us all back. Well I just want the Warriors to win in that first game so we could regroup and see how that game plays out. we got to talk about the number one seeds and, of course, in the Eastern Conference. But as Philadelphia awaits their first-round opponent, let's toss to Jim Lynham of NBC Sports Philadelphia to see which potential oppositions he's eyeing uh, the most for the top-seeded 76ers.
10: Well, uh, the best matchup for the... The 76ers, I'm going to just speak from a personal vantage point. I would like to see the Sixers play either Boston or Washington in the first round for different reasons. Uh, to get back against Boston, uh, the Sixers severely undermanned last year when they were swept by the Celtics. I'd like to see the Celtics uh, you know, have to face Boston a bit undermanned in round one. And if it were uh, Washington, just the star power of Westbrook and Bradley Beal. I think uh, the Sixers should be able to control either one of those series. But they're the two matchups that I would most enjoy seeing.
5: We're going to get into liability in just a second. And Vaughn, I'll ask you here, the 76ers, of course, holding that top seed. Uh, The East, of course, 76ers in the first and the Nets in that second seed. Do you think it's worth taking a shot on them? Do you have a future on them? Would you bet them in the futures market now?
7: So I definitely think there is value there on the Sixers. Now, being the one seed, uh, the last time they were the one seed, I'm pretty sure they went to the NBA Finals with Allen Iverson, if I'm not uh, incorrect there. So that's definitely interesting as well. But they are 60-11 and in their last 71 home games over the last two years in the regular season. So they are dominant at home at Wells Fargo. And I like them, potentially with the second-round matchup against the Knicks and the Hawks. They've had success against both these teams this year. I know the round ball stew crew talked about the Hawks and the Knicks series and it was very interesting because the Knicks beat them all 3 times this year but the Hawks are a lot better lately. Philly is 3 and 0 against New York this season, 2 and 1 against Atlanta. I think Philly definitely has a clear shot to get to the Eastern Conference Finals uh, for the first time in a long time, but I still do think this is the Nets conference to lose. I 115 on points, but I still think this could easily be minus 150 or more. I don't know what Jay thinks of how that is going to move after a couple games, but I do not think the Nets will be sitting at 115 for very long um, in the Eastern Conference, no matter what the Sixers do.
5: Well, Jay, take it away. What is the futures market one look like for both the Sixers and the Nets and how those prices may move depending on their matchups?
15: Yeah, so I think those prices they really reflect the size of the bracket that both of those teams are in. Where the Nets are clearly the class of the East, but they're going to have to go likely through Milwaukee in round two, and then through Philly in round three. So that's that's the tough draw. Uh, round one, I don't think is going to be too difficult. whoever they play, um, if it's Boston uh, or Washington, I think that you know the Nets are going to be in that you know, about as short as you can get. So in that minus. Uh, minus 2,000 kind of range um, wow. to win that series, um, assuming that they're healthy. So we're taking a lot of action on the Nets. They're the most bet team for the championship, along with the Lakers. Uh, so we'll be, we'll be cheering against them. <laughs> Man, no love for jingles in the jazz? <laughs> Not a lot of love for jingles and the jazz outside of the points bet trading room. Unbelievable.
5: Drew, are there any sleepers that you think have value? I'll give an example. Last year, Miami Heat, we saw them really make a push, obviously, towards the finals, something we did not expect down the stretch. I believe they were 40-1 to at some points leading up to it. Or do you like the Nets and more favorites uh, this year?
6: Yeah, I mean, as I look across the landscape, I think you're shopping in the West if you're looking for a long shot. I think the East looks very chalky, um, and rightfully yeah. the Nets are the you know the clear favorite as they only they have the the top three players in yeah. the entire conference practically. Um, in the Western Conference, though, I do think you can shop around and fi- find some long shots with some value. Um, I'm surprised that there are still numbers available for the jazz that we have here. It's looking pretty, I mean, I guess we need to know who they're going to play in round one. If it's Lakers jazz, I feel a lot less good about Utah and their number. Um, yeah. But if it's the warriors, they match up. Well, I mean, the warriors have been a little overrated by the market in general. I think that coming down the stretch here, they've had a lot more to play for than a lot of these teams that they've, they've come up against and done well against, including the jazz just about a week ago. Um, and so I think uh, in a, in a perfect world, You have a close contest between the Lakers and the Warriors and the 7-8. The Warriors ultimately get in as the 8th seed against the Jazz. And then I'm uh, I'm, I'm interested in a Jazz price there if we can get something that's favorable.
5: Before we get into both Drew and Vaughn's final matchup predictions and who they do like to win it all, though Drew kind of alluded to it, I do have to ask you because you know I love things like these odd bets. Did anybody place a, a big wager either recently or before the season started on a team that's still hanging around to win the NBA championship that you guys are strongly rooting against?
15: Yeah. So going back to the New York Knicks, uh, been a popular topic today. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of action on them at 300 to one, 250 to one to win the title. Uh, that's shortened now wow. It's all in the 101, 101 area. But I think that I mean it's been a strange 12 months, but New Orleans Noel and Reggie Bullock leading the New York Knicks to the title would be the strangest thing yet. So we're not too worried about the Knicks at this point, but uh, but that's where our biggest liability is.
5: Makes sense. Okay, so the New York Knicks are rooting against. I think you'll be okay in that spot, as Drew told me earlier on my show. He said you guys should not sweat it out, and I normally take Drew's NBA advice as well as Vaughn's. Vaughn, final matchup predictions, who you are taking to come out of the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, and who you like to win the NBA championship this season.
7: So I definitely, if the Lakers end up being the seventh seed, as we've all talked and we think it's pretty likely that's going to happen, I like the Lakers to represent the West. I think that them going through Portland and Denver after a second round or in a second round matchup, if they beat Phoenix, is uh, very ideal for LeBron James and Anthony Davis and company. Um, I think the Clippers are definitely the strongest team in the West. But as Drew said, the value on the Jazz right now is definitely worth looking at. Um, matched up with the Warriors. I do like that matchup as well. I think they could slow them down. Donovan Mitchell coming back will be a huge plus for that team. But in the East, it's the Nets. It's the Nets conference, it looks like. I know Jay just said it's it's a rough sledding for them going through Milwaukee more than likely. Miami could get the upset there. Uh, um, we'll cross our fingers with that payout. But I like the Nets and the Lakers potential, plus 500 there. I know that is the favorite, and that's corny. But um, if you're looking <laughs> for an outside.
6: Okay. It's, it's a
7: favorite it's, for a reason.
5: <laughs> I beg. I, know I, beg yeah, and I, hate- I beg Jay to move the number for the Los God. Angeles Lakers. He said, we will not. I said, Jay, it's when they were doing poorly. Give me a little juicy, your odds, and you he held on to that. So, Jay, I'm sure you're pleased if the Lakers, you guys will be pleased if the Lakers somehow make it to the finals.
15: Yeah, I think so. And I think the thing with the Lakers is, that they've got into the right side of the bracket so long as they can beat Steph Curry because that path um, to beat Phoenix and then Denver or Portland and avoid, you know, the Clippers and the Jazz until the Western Conference Finals, I think that's the key. And and that's why uh, Lakers betters might have a bit of confidence despite them falling all the way to seven.
5: Drew, take us home. Tell me who you like to win and who will make it out of the Eastern out of the Western and, and where you have some money.
6: Well, the Nets, I think, are slim in the East. I don't think that's really up for debate. The Western Conference, you can make a case for almost all these teams. Uh, the way it's shaking out, uh, the you know, people are warmer on the Clippers than I am by a lot. Uh, People are warmer on the Nuggets than I am by a lot. I think this ends up being um, uh, a a semifinals between the Lakers and the Blazers on one half. I like the Jazz's chances against the Clippers, and I think the Lakers ultimately prevail over the Jazz in the Western Conference Finals, but it's going to be a pretty pretty, uh, pretty competitive series.
5: Yeah, I look forward to seeing how this plays out. Good luck to Vaughn and Drew and everyone else with their bets. And Jay, thank you so much. I will say good luck with that futures ticket on the New York Knicks, but I think you should feel okay. If you've enjoyed our breakdowns and analysis of the playoffs so far, you can get much more of this throughout the entire postseason and all year around. If you're looking for all the best actionable information to help you make your wagers, subscribe to our new Bet the Edge podcast to hear me and Drew Dinsick Monday through Friday each and every week. And Matt Straub, Dr. A, Ryan Kanaus, and the rest of the NBC Sports Edge Hoop crew come at you three times a week with Round Ball Stew, covering every angle of the NBA playoffs. Subscribe anywhere podcast are found, or now you can watch each episode right here live on our new YouTube channel. For now, that does it for our NBA playoff preview show for all of us here with NBC Sports Edge. Thank you for watching, and good luck with all your wagers.